You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. You can download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked On rooms. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not of the Scribe. Thanks for sending in your questions. We did a Mailbag Monday episode yesterday. We tried to answer a couple on Friday as I went solo, so we're off and rolling here for the week. But we've got the official NBA mock draft to get to today. Yes, yes. So this is the official one. We played around with the weekly mini mock drafts before the official big boy hit us. And so I switched it up quite a bit. Nada sent in a couple of his picks early on. Then I decided to go with a couple of different players. I think we picked like four different guys. I, I, we went Sangoon, Giddy, Zaire, and I forget the other player that we that we chose. Oh, Evan Mobley. Yes, we got the third overall yes. pick. So we uh, we went Evan Mobley. Pretty no brainer there. So we had the four picks just bouncing around different spots in the weekly mini mock drafts. But this one was official. This the idea behind this one was to put in what you really wanted to do via this draft. Locked on NBA. Yeah. David Locke is going to talk about it as it being official, right? There were trades that could have happened. We'll talk about a couple of those trades th that took place. We'll go about the order as well. But first, we're going to lead off with the 11th overall pick as I saw it, Nada, because I'm the one that made the pick this time. Yeah, no, that was a mistake. That was a real, real big mistake. You should have consulted me before you made this pick. Oh, well, I'm going to do the video for this. And so I'm going to go ahead and put that pick in. You got the first two. I got the last two. Yeah. I'm doing the video. So I decided, you know what? Let's sneak it in there. I'm going to put this selection in and you guys know it already. I had him number one on my big board of any of the players that could be available at number 11. And as the board fell to us, Zaire Williams was the 11th overall selection. Now, before you yell at me, Nada, real quickly, yeah. I'm going to go through the board and let the listeners know what I was dealing with uh -huh. and the order up until we get to 11. So here's the order real quickly. Detroit goes Cade Cunningham at one. Houston goes Jalen Green at two. Cleveland goes Evan Mobley at three. Maybe your first surprise. Toronto yep. goes Jalen Suggs at four. Orlando goes Jonathan Kaminga at five. Oklahoma City goes Scotty Barnes at six. Golden State chooses Davion Mitchell at seven. That's where it really started to open mm -hmm. up. Orlando chose Moses Moody at number eight. Then we get to our first trade. Sacramento, they moved up to number nine. Excuse me. Sacramento moved back to number nine in an exchange with New Orleans. New Orleans, and it, they will receive Buddy Heald and the ninth overall pick. Sacramento receives Eric Bledsoe and the 10th overall. Oh, so some, uh, some money, uh, some, uh, <laughs> some money shifting going on and new Orleans, they move up one spot. So they get buddy healed. They take on that contract. And with the ninth overall selection, new Orleans selects Corey Kispert Sacramento at 10, they select Franz Wagner. So the guys that we were able to choose from that went before Zaire, it was Davion Mitchell, Moses Moody, Corey Kispert, and Franz Wagner. They all went with the four previous selections, which means mm -hmm. the guy that on our draft big board that we did as James Plowright sent it out all out to us. The guys that were available, 
It was Zaire, mm-hmm. Kai Jones, mm-hmm. Sharif Cooper, mm-hmm. James Booknight, Chris Duarte, Josh Giddy, Keon Johnson, Alperen Sangoon, Jalen Johnson, Usman Garuba. There was a lot of the guys that we did have to choose from. But I went Zaire, not all right, not a now you can yell at me because I know you wanted a specific someone. So you mean to tell me with the best wing player probably available, you went Zaire Williams. Like you, you left Book Knight on the table to go fourteen to 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 draft Zaire Williams, your draft crush. You ignored need and fit and said this guy who's probably going to be in Greensboro for a good portion of the uh, of the season next year. You went Zaire Williams. I th- there are times where you know what I feign disappointment, Walker, just for the sake of clicks and drama and this. Uh, no, I'm truly disappointed in you. I am truly disappointed. Like, I would have understood had you taken Kai Jones. Hell, if Sangoon was there, that's cool, too. I I get there's a few guys I absolutely, completely understand. But you took a guy that's a clear project at 11 when there was a clear roster fit? Like, had Moody been there and you said, you know what, I'll select Moody over Zaire. I get it. Moody was gone. But... Zaire's a prop. Like we keep we keep talking about this, and I I don't understand. Zaire is a project. He's not ready this year, and you're probably going to need a guy that's going to be ready this year. So again, I am utterly, utterly disappointed with you right now because <laughs> I would I would honestly like book night was there. You you decided you know what I'm not going to take the layup. I'm just going to go for the half court heave and hope I'm right. That's what you've done, essentially. I am so disappointed in you, Walker. All right. You knew I was going to select Zaire Williams, number one, if I had him on my board as the number one overall prospect with all of these guys available. Keon Johnson was two. Moses Moody was three. Not I'd even have James Booknight on there until we got to number seven. And I was actually higher on him than other people in our selection process. So. James Booknight falls to 14 and he's selected by the Memphis Grizzlies in this mock draft. That's via golden state who would have been selecting there originally, but Memphis, they choose James Booknight. It was Kai Jones and Sharif Cooper that went in front of James Booknight in this mock draft. I decided to go Zaire and we've talked about him a ton already. I watched interviews with them, continue to watch film on all of these guys more. So I, I like Zaire's ability. I can never have enough of these archetypes in the NBA, the long two-way potential with an ability to create not only for himself, but for others. He fits well with this roster. I think that he's some, I think he fits well with any roster. I think any franchise is pointing to that type of basketball player and say, yeah, we, we can't have enough of those guys. We'll, we'll take all of the long mobile wing front court players that you've got. Right. I mean, Zaire Williams can fit that. And so that's why I decided to go with him at 11. Moses Moody would have been hard to turn down a Franz Wagner. I had him, I believe fifth on my overall rankings. He was hard to turn down. Usman Garuba would have made some sense for me as well, because he's defensively maybe and probably the best player in this NBA draft. And Usman is 27th overall. He goes to Brooklyn. He falls that far back. 
I really like Jalen Johnson. He goes to 20 at Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I, I decided to go Zaire. I think that the fit is just fine with the Charlotte Hornets, even if he is going to be coming off of the bench and Gordon Hayward is going to be playing that spot. Um, but book night, that's your guy, man. We both have our draft crushes and uh, 14 is where he goes to. I, I am disappointed. I, I am truly disappointed in, in, in you. Like I'm still, I'm still stunned. I, the bigger thing. And again, this is where we disagree on is that the window to maximize LaMelo doesn't necessarily need to be taken advantage of this year. And this is where I completely disagree. This is where I feel like you're going to have to start taking steps to maximize this window. And I'm not so sure that's that Williams does that. I could, but this is, this is a, this is a step though, because I think you are talking about a second year player in LaMelo. And yes, you want to get this work done early to make him happy because he's clearly a potential superstar. And I don't disagree with that, but I don't want to sacrifice star potential in exchange for somebody that can come in and maybe help you more so right away, because if his floor is higher and his ceiling doesn't really match some of the other prospects on this list, and he's a pretty solid role player, are solid role players keeping these stars with this market? Or do you shoot for the other star? to put alongside him to help win basketball games at a high enough level to then keep him. You got to swing for the fences with these guys. And if we get another player that can come in, hey, he's contributing right away, but he's never an, an even close to all-star level. He's just a solid seventh, sixth guy on your team. That's not going to keep LaMelo happy. It's not going to keep the Charlotte Hornets, uh, Hornets going over to a second round series. It, if, if Zaire has that potential within him more so than somebody else, then that's why I'm going that way. You know what? I have a response for that. We are running out of time on this first segment. Oh, well, we'll get to it. I want to hear it. We'll get to well, it. We got we'll to go to, to the next sec segment. <laughs> We'll go to it in the next segment. It's the Lockdown Hornets podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You can get in on the baseball season. It's in full swing. Here you are actually with the all-star break. We saw Shohei Otani go at it last night, came back, eventually lost to Juan Soto, but it was Pete Alonzo who stole the show. So you could have bet on the all-star game on the all uh, home run derby, but you can bet on the all-star game. Still plenty of second half action to bet on the baseball season. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. I want to continue to talk about some of the other surprises in this draft where other prospects went and we can continue to talk a little about the Hornet selection at 11. Who else could have been available there as well? It's coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You have gone to that in an after-school special show, <laughs> and you've gone to that in a shoe show with David Walker, the OG. I, you have gone back to the clerk's well for so many different references. It's quite impressive. Because clerk, here's the thing, though. Clerks, clerks 1 and Clerks 2 tell you everything you need to know about the service industry and, for the most part, about life. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just the average old athlete, maybe just a tick below elite athlete, just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun can help. 
Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen, the Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. All right, Nada, you had a response. We were discussing how you want to have somebody that can come in and help right away because you want LaMelo to be happy. I'm saying that LaMelo will be happier if you get somebody with star potential, even if that's not realized until year two or year three, because he might reach that star potential more so than the guy that's just ready to come in year one. You had a response. You were wary of the time constraints. Now you have plenty of time. My whole question, my question for you is for this swing defense exercise that we are talking about, do you have someone on the level? Like, again, we talk about when we talk about swinging for the fences in the 11 through 14 picks, I would argue that if you're if you're going to do that, then you probably have to have an established team. See Denver for this example, when they drafted Michael Porter Jr., they were at the point where you might as well swing for the fences because you know what? Would Again, they are the team that already has established guys. They had Jokic. They had Murray. They had a whole bunch of other role players around them. So you could take a stab at a Michael Porter Jr. Do you believe that the Hornets are in a position to where you can say, yes, we can swing for the fences because we have established X here, X there, X there? Because I don't believe so. And if you're going to tell me that drafting that, if you're going to do that, I'm okay with that. But you're also admitting that this is a further along in the process than they actually are. I'm no, I think you're insisting that. I think you're saying they're further along in the process because you want them to draft a player that helps you win right now. And I don't necessarily care about that. I'm still going with the guy that is the best player that could be down the line. Because even if you go back to that draft where Michael Porter Jr. was selected by Denver and people were scared of his back, you do a redraft knowing what we do now. It doesn't matter what kind of context these teams have. I guarantee you there are still plenty of teams in the top three or four, whoever was selecting that high. They don't mind Michael Porter Jr. sitting out a year. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you know what this, his potential is. You're still selecting him that high. Plus, that's injury-based why he didn't show up until later, not necessarily project or talent base. Like we're talking about with Zaire, you being so unsure. So the injury is a little bit muddied there, but still I understand the point. And, and my point to you is it doesn't matter if you think he can have that type of potential in a redraft. He's still going much higher than he was selected, but the, that's the thing. But you also in a redraft have the, have the ability of hindsight and that, like, I think we have to look at these, and this is why I hate doing redrafts and all this other stuff, because there's a lot of time where you can only operate with the circumstances that you were given. And if you generally, if you miss this badly on something like that, or you miss on two badly, you're done in this town no matter what. You have to operate as a general manager with the information that you have with you right now. At this point, 
do you, and I guess this is the other thing. If you feel like he's going to be, the, if you feel like Zaire Williams is going to be the best player on the roster, or again, in the draft at that point, are, do you believe that it, mat it matters whether he can contribute next year as you probably need to at least somewhat secure a playoff spot? Because if you think he can contribute, oh, cool, I'm here for it. I've even said as much that he may be able to contribute late, but you've got to be sure that he can contribute. Cause, and I'm just not so sure that he can. Well, and my point is that nobody does with the NBA draft because it's such an imperfect process. I'm going to take the guy with the attributes that allow him to develop into a star. And I like James Booknight's attributes as well, but it's also someone that we're not sure of. The shooting, the, his form is fine. I think Zaire's form can be slightly fixed as well. I mean, I think his form is fine for the most part too, and only having some minor tweaks. James Booknight's is fine as well, and yet he shot a poor percentage from three. He he can hit all the shots he wants to in an open gym where nobody's guarding him, but it's always about the contest that's going to be problematic for him. And so we don't know about book night either. My point being, we don't know about any of these guys. Who is the guy that is six, eight, six, nine, or close to even six, 10 in shoes as he measured at the combine. His wingspan is six, 10. You talk about him having all of these abilities yeah, I'm going to take those traits with his adversity at Stanford having, to me, contributed to the poor numbers that he put up via three and just via the field. And we can also discuss this, too. Like, you know, Miles Bridges and Michael Porter Jr. were in that draft, yes. right? So I know that you've talked about getting frustrated with people that say we should have drafted Michael Porter Jr. in that draft instead of Miles. Well, Miles put up a, a solid rookie year. Mm -hmm. It was the second year where he was really poor. But in the first three years, I mean, as much as you love Miles, as much as Miles clearly took a step up, are we still saying that in a redraft, the Charlotte Hornets wouldn't take a Michael Porter Jr., but it was scary? And I know hindsight is a part of all of this, mm -hmm. and I get that. But Michael Porter Jr., even then, had the skills. The guy was going to be a number one overall pick if it won for the end. I agree like, with that. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not that we didn't know what kind of ability he possessed. Swinging for the fences or just drafting a guy that you think is going to be the best down the line, I think that should really always be a part of the equation. It should be a part of the equation, but at the same time, you have to understand the context of every single selection, which is why I get, and this is why I push back on certain draft narratives. The Bridges one especially, because you remember, you were around the team just like I was, Walker, That when that day, when we all knew that the mandate coming down from the player, from the front office, from ownership, from Mitch Kupchak was, we are making the playoffs. It's the only time in the James Borrego coaching era where we have taught, where management has openly said, the goal is the playoffs. So what did they do with Mitch, with Miles Bridges? They drafted a guy they felt like could completely contribute to what what could happen could, that could basically tip the scales potentially on the outcome of the playoffs. It's why I don't necessarily blame Mitch for drafting. On top of which, getting Devonte Graham, which ended up on the back end helping them out. A lot of this. Like when we have these discussions about drafting, when we have all of this, we have to focus in on the context and the mandates and ownership. Because remember, these GMs aren't operating independent fiefdoms. Generally, there's some, some form of management either influencing that, hey, we've got to maximize this asset while we still got it. 
or, hey, we need to show the fans that we're trying. There's a lot of this that I think we, again, when we do draft analysis, period, it can't always be about best player. It sounds crazy, but you also have to understand, does roster fit matter? Does skill set matter? Does Do we need to show something to the fan base to say, hey, we're actually serious about making the playoffs? Do we need to appease other guys on in the locker room? Like, there's a lot of this. Like, we, again, when we analysts, whoever, podcast hosts, whatever, like, when we talk about just doing all of this, we keep completely forget that this is a people business. And you have to understand that getting a guy that cannot help well, What does that have to do with drafting Zaire, though? You know, what does that have to do with drafting somebody? Like, to, to me, okay, it really does kind of come down to drafting the best player possible. We can, we can contextualize all that as much as we want, but the end goal is to draft the best player possible because it's not like any of these dudes have attitude problems that, that we know of. Yeah, we I mean, know. Jalen Johnson's got some stuff off the court or whatever, but I, I kind of brush that off of my shoulder too. I mean, it, it's not anything like that about how they mesh with the locker room. We got to keep LaMelo happy, mm-hmm. but the way to do that is to win games and to draft stars. And if, if it... Look, if you just like James Booknight more than Zaire Williams, then fine. You know, like, I, I understand that. If you think he is the best player available here, if you think he fits better with this roster, whatever reasoning you have, then okay. What I push back is this thing that Zaire Williams is going to be a project. He won't contribute a ton this year, and therefore we should stay away from him, even if he's somebody that can contribute two, three years down the line. One, you also have a Gordon Hayward that's going to be starting in the position Zaire would start anyway, so you can afford to allow him to start to cook. You do have some cap space, so you can spend it on free agency to help you out while Zaire comes into his own off of the bench, and you have your potential superstar you're hoping to develop in a lamello in his second year I, I i understand that context is involved in a lot of these selections but at 11 if you have if you just don't agree in this guy then fine right like may, maybe i just see it and and you don't that that's fine you know we can have different evaluations of these guys but we're basically talking about project to contribute now now type players and i think it's short-sighted to say hey we got to get somebody that can contribute right now and you're and you're right i do think that and i guess where you're saying what does best player have to do with the temperament of the locker room? I would honestly ask you, if you're a guy like P.J. Washington, who's two years away from getting paid, if you're a guy like Miles Bridges that's a year away from getting paid, if if you're Terry Rozier and you want to show your best type of film and you want to make sure that people are watching, a playoff run is probably going to help you get paid more than anything else. So adding a guy that potentially is not going to help you in that regard and may spend some significant time in Greensboro, that's going to matter. That matters. I really do believe that that matters. It's something that you do have to somewhat take take like stock in at the same time. Like so I under like I get if you feel like Zaire's the best player going forward in again, if you you feel like he's going to be the best player, cool. You know what? Fine. I will understand that. But and I guess this is where I'm also at. I said this earlier. If you said, okay, if Kispert was available, you drafted him, and I know you don't like Kispert, but if that if he helped, we was there, you took him, I would I would understand. Moody's there. And you again, you took him, I would understand. Wagner, I wouldn't have liked it, but I would have understood. Like if you took told me there was a guy that you felt 
that was because you think all of them can contribute right exactly exactly like i think had you draft had had you selected somebody that would have been in just a complete like someone that would have contributed immediately i don't think i would be as disappointed as i was right now i understand where you feel about him and i understand that you see the talent i also don't think that the hornets are in the spot stability wise with the talent level that's on this roster to draft a home run swing right now and i think that's where we disagree all right it's rockauto.com that supports the show and they've been supporting the show uh for a long time now we always appreciate it one reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food so why would you choose to spend to 30 percent up to 100 percent more for the same exact auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer Best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go there right now, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Let's talk about the other guys that went other franchises, two other franchises in the mock draft coming up next, Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I do not like the MB2 nickname. That Lame- oh, it's bad. Lamelo, come yeah. on, man. I mean, look, I, I love everything else about you, but the MB times two. How in the world do you not like Airbnb, but you like MB times two? I yeah. that's that's bad. We can't allow him to create, and that's the that's the, the reason the rule exists. You can't give yourself your nickname. You can't do no, that. Exactly. So, this is as I'm, bad as Kevin Durant wanted to call himself the servant. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Tomorrow, it's game four of the NBA Finals, and today, on the road to the Finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. We've talked about Milwaukee. They came back uh, in game three. It's two to one. Giannis has been on an absolute tear. He scored 40 points the last couple of contests. Uh, What do you expect to see in this game tomorrow? Not as Phoenix will try to extend their lead 3-1. And Milwaukee will try to uh, tie it up at two to two. And here's a bonus question for you real mm-hmm. quickly. Is game four of a postseason series in the NBA the best game because it's a three one to two two difference? You know, that's a good question. I think it's the best game. You know, it. you know what the game four is? Game four is like that point in tug of war where you know exactly who's going to win. Like there's that point where you see that just that one team just dominate with strength and you either figure it out or the flag doesn't move and the other team holds and then we really got a battle like that's 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 where we're headed for. And honestly, if I'm going to use the tug of war analogy even further, I think Phoenix pull again, pulls ahead three one. And we'll have two chances. I have as many as three chances to end this series and win a championship. I just, I don't trust Phoenix to miss as many shots as they do multiple times in this series. Because like we said before, when we preview in the series, I really do believe that the better team is Phoenix. They're the better coach team. They have more adjustments to make. And the only adjustment that Milwaukee can make is probably that, I pray that Phoenix misses shots, unfortunately, at this point. 
Yeah, I'm going to go Phoenix too. Uh, I think Phoenix wins this game. I agree with you. I think Devin Booker isn't going to only hit three field goals in this one. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, um, they got going a little. It wasn't a great shooting night from Chris Middleton again, um, but they still were able to score 120. I, at some point, Giannis isn't going to score 40, right? I mean, I think he had a, a really good night from the free throw line. I don't expect him to go 13 of 17 again. Give me the Phoenix Suns to take home game four and get that three to one series lead eventually setting themselves up nicely uh, for the NBA championship. Any other picks that you want to discuss here? Not, I think the first surprise um, it's Houston going Jalen green and then having Evan Mobley fall to Cleveland. You talk about fit, right? I mean, yeah. there's, there's something where Houston, they have Christian wood. Maybe that's why they decide to go with Jalen green instead of Evan Mobley. Cause Christian wood is really mm -hmm. good. Um, kind of it, you know, they're kind of similar in a lot of regards, right? I mean, they're mobile, big guys have the ability to shoot defensive, uh, defensive versatility. They can both bring to the court and they decide to go with Jalen green and, uh, Evan Mobley falls to Cleveland at number three. Also in this scenario, it would be interesting to see what Cleveland would decide to do with Jared Allen. If Evan Mobley fell to three, I, I wonder if that would, uh, factor into the equation. Uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. Like we've heard smoke screen. Like there's like the, the rumor mill has been, that Jalen Green has a promise made to him. Like they like there's a promise involved with Jalen Green, and therefore this is 90% of why we're seeing Jalen Green to the Rockets right now. I kind of like Jalen Green on the Rockets. And if you're going to invest that much money in a guy like Christian Wood, I don't think you can throw the I'll throw the Apple card. I mean, again, I don't think you can draft Mobley. And I like Mobley, but as we've said before, bigs had take a little bit of time to develop. So can you develop a guy like Evan Mobley and at the same time give minutes to Christian Wood? And I'm not necessarily so sure that you can. I think if you really like Jalen Green's athleticism and you can build around it and you already have a Kevin Porter Jr. that can help offset that, I really do think that Jalen Green is a perfect fit. But at the same time, would it surprise me to see the Houston Rockets trade down? No, but I'm not so surprised that they're drafting again, that locked on uh, Rockets decided to draft um, Jalen Green because it makes sense for me at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would go Evan Mobley even still. I understand that Jalen Green might be a guy that fits better, but Evan Mobley, I, I just think he's clearing away the second best prospect in this NBA draft. So let's continue on. The other one that caught my eye, it's Davion Mitchell to seven at Golden, uh, Golden State selecting him. At number seven overall, it, it, Davion was the biggest loser, I believe, in all of our draft analysis um, when all of the local Hornets, you know, uh, analysts, people that cover the team, when we were all putting our input on, you know, who we should select at 11, Davion Mitchell was one of the bigger losers there. So he goes seven. Moses Moody, the guy that we actually all loved here in Charlotte, he goes eight to Orlando. And that's something that Philip Rosman Reich had been doing with Locked On Magic for quite a while. So um, he gets his guy in Moses. Then it's Corey Kispert, Franz mm -hmm. Wagner. Those two guys are going right ahead of Zaire. Then we get on the back half of here, Nada. Uh, the, the guys that fell the most that I was surprised to see. Um, Keon Johnson goes 17 to Memphis. I get it. I thought that. I get it, though. I, I thought that was far. I it, like, here's the thing. He's a very athletic guy that you're going to have to rebuild the entire jumper with. I get it. Do I think that the Hornets, 
should possibly draft him. Like the Hornets have, uh, the Hornets are enamored enough to have at least worked him out. We know that much, but I get it. Like if you are afraid that the jump shot's not going to be there, I mean, you can't afford not to have a wing that can't shoot now. I mean, we see this with the Martin twins for the Hornets. They're athletic as hell, but at the same time they can't shoot. And therefore like it limits them. It limits what you can do if you have a guy that can't shoot on the wings now. So I get why he's down at 17 because all the other gifts are super tantalizing. If you can't shoot or you have to spend significant time rebuilding the jump shot, like I, I can't, I, I can't defend that. Love me some Keon. I had him second on my big board when we ranked these 13 possible prospects. Um, I'm, I'm look, I actually would think, uh, Zaire would fall to around where Keon was selected mm-hmm. if I didn't select him there too. And, um, so I like Keon and Zaire. I'm just, I'm, it just seemed like even in the mock drafts that we were doing a lot, not a Keon was constantly like top 10. So th- th- that's why I'm a little surprised here as well. Sangoon goes to Oklahoma city at 18. That's somebody that dropped a little further down than I expected. Are you surprised about Sangoon? A going little 18? bit, a little bit because Sangoon, like you have to need a center. Sangoon, and you know what we talk about what who people are. I do believe that Sangoon's a little bit of the um, Michael Porter. Like he's a luxury pick for a team that already is kind of stacked. Like there's like Sangoon going that far doesn't necessarily surprise me, and it fills a hole left by Moses Brown, who was traded to Boston. So it makes perfect sense for them. Yeah, offensively, very skilled, extremely good passer out of the post, great footwork, amazing post moves down low. I don't think he can defend. I'm scared about that. He's going to have to get more athletic and at him being a tiny bit shorter, right? Like I've constantly gone to this. People want to compare him to Jokic because he's from Europe. He's bigger. He's white. He's somebody that is able to pass out of the post at a really high level, but he's shorter and he can't shoot like Jokic. And I think those are big time. uh, And and he's just not even as far along as Jokic, even when Jokic was a second round pick. Jalen Johnson goes 20. I was really surprised about that too. Jalen is awesome, man. I I love me some Jalen Johnson. I had him ranked sixth on my big board and it's somebody I thought about putting a little higher in front of a Wagner maybe even uh, a Garuba, even though defensively, I think Garuba is going to be awesome. I just think he's awesome in transition. Jalen Johnson sees the floor really well. It's just, can, can he make something happen in a half court set? Like, I just think transition is what he does so well, but he's strong. He can play above the rim at a nice level. This is where like, like fit factors in for Mm -hmm. me ever so slightly. Like it, 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 it should not, be a huge determining factor, but if it's Jalen Johnson or Garuba or a Zaire or a Keon, like those are the guys that I like a lot Mm -hmm. in this draft, like Keon, he's got a ton of upside. All right. I'll select him, you know, and he can play in the backcourt, you know, Zaire, you can never have like, you know, I've talked about a million times. I just like Zaire a little more. We've got miles. We've got PJ. Okay, maybe I'll get off Jalen, but I really do like him, and he goes 20. Jalen is an interesting little factor because I just, for some reason, I want to, I really do want to like him. I want to like him a lot more than he does, but there's a lot of this stuff around Duke. The fact he's not, he has not completed a complete season in neither in his last two years, whether that's due to COVID or injury or everything else, that, that part, like, scares me 
Like, there is a personality fit thing with him that kind of scares me off right now. So there's that. That's anything else. And I would be like, okay, I get it a little bit. I understand. There's just a, there's just something about Jalen Johnson that scares me off for right now. But I'm, I would say this. If he falls to 20, 21, 22, 23, yo, um, Hornets, start start making phone calls because you. I feel like you need to add him if that's going to be the case. Yeah, and if Garuba falls to 27, uh, make some phone calls there. Like, I don't care, man. Like, if, I don't care if he can't shoot. 27 is entirely too late for him to be picked. You, you're, you're at least, at 27, you are at least getting the best defensive player in this draft. And if you like Scotty Barnes more, that's fine. Then you're getting the second best defensive player in this draft. If he falls to 27, then once again, start picking up that phone and try to land him too. That was the other one. Uh, I was surprised because he was in our um, crop mm-hmm. of players that we could pick from. So there you go. Those are some of the surprises in this NBA mock draft that we officially did for the Lockdown Podcast Network. You should hear David Locke breaking that down right now or next week. I don't know when he's talking about it, but um, but we've got some notes in there. We had some trade negotiations it, that went absolutely nowhere, but we were approached by some teams if we wanted to make those trades and not a, and I did not want to do that. Instead, just stay home with that 11th overall selection. I'll be putting out a video at some point as well, so make sure you catch that on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets, at Not of the Scribe, and I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. As always, appreciate you joining us. Thanks again. Thanks again to Michelob Ultra and Spotify Green Room for supporting the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA or any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.